0: This episode of the Android Central Podcast is brought to you by MintSim, the best way to get cheap 4G LTE data in the U.S., and now with even lower introductory prices. Use offer code ACFREESHIP for free first-class shipping on any MintSim purchase. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Android Central Podcast for monday august 14th 2017 no it's not a thursday or friday or wait no it's a monday and that's why we're all drinking either coffee or vodka because the weekend is over Mm -hmm. um if you missed us last week we apologize we um well we, we can't say the word but we didn't get our stuff together so we're doing it now but i think there's a there's another couple good reasons uh, it's it's a busy time of year and to help us uh, explain why we have two very intelligent, charming and lovely people all the way from the west coast of the United States of America, Andrew Martinick, how are you man? Yo, I am good
1: and I am back on the podcast. I was afraid with all my traveling that I was gonna miss three or four weeks in a row, but so so the Monday actually really worked out for me. i'm I'm happy. yeah, about the it.
0: Monday's the, the Mondays uh you know nobody wants to travel on a Monday, so everybody's no everybody's at home so i travel tomorrow Uh, exactly i mean so the the thing is about this time of year is that we have these podcasts and we're like uh can you say what you're traveling to x city for not really okay but you can kind of assume there's a little bit of a little bit of implied that you know a lot of it is implied uh what's not implied however is jerry heel and brand i have no idea what that means but how are (laughs) you man i'm fine how are you i'm very good thank you um yeah, it was uh it was a uh, kind of a rough weekend. Uh let's let's just start with that. I I don't want to I don't want to dwell too much on it, but I think we just have to acknowledge that it was a bit of a a bit of a weird weekend for everybody in the US and around the world. And um you know, let's let's try to inject some happiness and positivity into the world right now, shall we? We could do that. All right. All right, good. Uh so we'll start off with a bit of follow-up and um one way to do that is to talk about your Moto Z2 Force second opinion, Andrew, yeah. that uh, came out this morning. And, uh, you know, you you disagree with my review on a couple things. Um, I think I was a bit harsher on the phone than you were. But ultimately, we came to the same conclusion that n- the $720 price point just is not uh, realistic for, for what you get with this device. And... Um, I, I guess I'd just like to hear what what you think about it. Um, you know, from from the perspective of somebody who's not as familiar with Motorola as I am, because I've reviewed every Moto phone mm. over the last five years or so. Um, so you're coming into this fairly fresh, and uh, you know, having used the HTC U11, the Galaxy S8, wh- what are you thinking?
1: So I think that that's a pretty good a pretty good feeling for it. I I really wanted to have this separate take on it from the aspect of i used the original moto z and z force droid edition something or another whatever it was for like a couple days when they were first announced and have not put my hands on a motorola phone for more than 10 minutes since then so i wasn't so jaded by you know all of the basics that motorola does you know Really well. Like I don't take the I didn't take them for granted as much when I've been using the the Z2 Force, and I think that it's not that that hurt Motorola too much, but really, you know, when you roll out a phone to a bunch of phone reviewers, you know, they're like, oh, well, I've seen this before, or in your case, you've been using the Z2 Play. Um, you know, you did our our full review for it. You used it quite a bit, and uh, before that, you used the original Z Play and the Motor Z before that, and so. I feel like a little bit of the nuance kind of got lost with all of the reviewers coming through having used all of them. And, you know, it made us look past all of the good stuff that Motorola does, I think, where, yes, the hardware has some compromises, but it's really, really, really good hardware that is worthy of the worthy of the price. And the performance is amazing on the phone. And uh, the software is still you know, top of the top in the business and all of those good things, you know, I think deserved some praise. But like you said, where we didn't diverge was saying that it's just it's just not worth the money. And I think that the best way that I described that was it has, you know, even these top end phones, Galaxy S8, U11, like you said, they all have compromises, too. I think the, the biggest issue with the Z2 Force is it's making compromises that other phones in this price do not make and things that would normally be kind of brushed aside on a z2 play or something like that that's 400 450 are amplified because you're you're just not as willing to take shortcomings in the size of the battery or especially the the quality of the camera and the camera performance um, and some of the issues with the display like you can look past those if it's part of a An overall solid package which i think you could say the z2 force is but it's just like motorola kind of shot itself in the foot twice you know once with the pricing and once again by having the z2 play be such a great phone uh in its own right for you two-thirds the price
0: yeah that i i think that's really like that michael made that point in uh in his mr mobile review and and that's really well taken Um, Jerry, what, what do you think about all this?
2: I, so somebody said something to me over the weekend that that really put it into perspective. You can get a G six or a V 30 on and off Buy one V 20. That's right. You know where my mind is on and off Buy one, get one free from T-Mobile for 400 bucks. Is a Z two force with the battery and the camera mod worth five G sixes? Because that's what it costs you. If you look at it, you know, the buy one, get one free angle. And, I, 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 you know, that's not apples to apples. I get it that you can't set pricing that way. But to the consumer's pocketbook, yeah, it kind of works out that way. And it's, no, it's not worth it. It's just not.
1: Yeah, I think that the funny thing is that the people that I've seen, that in our comments and on Twitter that say you know they bought a Z2 Force or they're really considering one you know in the next month or whatever are people that are on Verizon that have an offer to buy it for $360 right. and they say well hell for $360 there's nothing else i can buy that has you know a Snapdragon 835 and you know all these these features you know i get that you know that that's that crazy pricing thing it's the same thing kind of goes in the other direction with the G6 being steeply discounted but that is the world that it's in where you know it's we can't paint with too broad of a brush because there are these promos and things like that but when you do look at i mean MSRPs you say it's trying to be the Galaxy S8 price and it's just nowhere near
2: that fund. when when you throw all the promos away and you Get the add on to give it enough you know a, a little bit better battery or an add on for a better camera you you are promos aside you're you're almost up to the price of two one plus fives, yeah, unless you buy it from Verizon and it's not worth twice as much as a one plus five
0: well I also think Motorola has a very weird introductory strategy and and this one feels even more held to the carriers because it's um, it's available on all four carriers in the U S it's not selling it unlocked online. And usually with its phones after a couple of months, even a few weeks, those unlocked versions are discounted significantly a hundred bucks, 200 bucks. You can get them on a flash sale. I remember the moto X pure edition went for three ninety-nine after a couple of months and a, pretty much stayed like that throughout 2016 until the moto z was announced but there are you know over the last couple of years since the moto x was announced in 2013 the x uh, in 2014 and the x pure in 2015 people so- started to associate motorola with these inexpensive flagships the kind of nexus-like pricing strategy
1: yeah that one knock
0: one notch below the top end and, and you weren't always getting the best. I mean, the Moto X series never had the best camera, and it often didn't have the most up-to-date specs, but the experience was there and it made up for it. And you had Moto Maker and all that good stuff. With the Z Force and Z2 Force, you kind of you're moving back into this more rigid pricing structure. And especially with the Z2 Force, where it's only available on the carriers, uh, you know, much to the chagrin of of people like me who would love to have bought one unlocked. I just don't see the. I don't see any compelling reason to buy a fo- this phone over any other 2017 flagship. Yeah. And, and we're talking about the G6. The G6 debuted at 650, right? It didn't even yep. debut at 750 or 720. This was a seriously cheap flagship when it came out because LG understood its position and knew that it didn't have a Snapdragon 835 and that it was competing directly against the S8. So you know you can make that argument that LG kind of saw the forest through the trees. Motorola needs to see the forest through the trees really fast uh, because putting a InstaShare projector in a bo- in every box or it's not even happening. I mean you have to mail in and get it. You get it within yeah. six to eight weeks. But even throwing a MotoMod in or two doesn't make this a, a better offer. And it just it, it kind of sticks in your what, what's the what's the expression sticks in your, in your craw crow, craw. That the, you know, Motorola is not including a Moto a style sh- style shell or style back um, mod, nor is it including a thirty watt charger in the box, which mm-hmm. to me is just insane. So all of these things add up to a really um, a, a, a Lenovo that is that is trying to cut
2: corners here where it can't, it just can't afford to. What's telling is that the complaints are all about the price or, or the, the value proposition. Mm-hmm. Uh, Motorola, take heed because people like what you're offering, but you're offering it stupid, insane, high pricing. So that's
1: so, kind of the same point I was going to make because I had a question on my Z2 Force um, little 2nd review, and they said, you know, why is it that Moto can provide a fantastic experience on a budget but an underwhelming experience at a premium? And... I, I just said the the pure answer to that is it's all about expectations of value. Uh, they can do a really great job, even all the way up to like450 dollars with the Z2 play. But you know, everywhere between 150 and 450, they have something for you that offers a really good value and we can't nitpick nearly as much. and they stick to that core experience. I remember when they just rolled out the f- the second Moto G, and you know they were like, we purely just l- took the current Moto G and we listened to feedback from customers. They just wanted a little bit bigger screen, a little better camera, and a uh, a little bit larger battery. And they were like, we can do that. Didn't change anything about the experience. Didn't try to make it some crazy premium device. They just added a little bit more. And those are really basic things that they can add. But at seven hundred and fifty dollars or so, they they can't just you know add a little bit more. They have to have a really good camera and they have to have really good battery life and performance at the same time. And they can't make all these weird little shortcomings like the no no style shell or, or anything in the box and the cheaper charger and stuff like that. That's where people are just going to rip you apart because you're trying to charge big money and you know that that's the difference between you know trying to sell a Z2 Play or a G five plus whatever and trying to sell a Z2 force
0: yeah and you know there's there's a whole lot of history here um Motorola has experience with you know people with customers loyal customers that have come out against some of it's more exasperating changes for example between the Moto Moto G3 the third generation and the fourth generation it went from having Water protection to not having water protection, mm-hmm. all at the at the, at the um, expense of adding a, a fingerprint sensor and and improving the look and feel of the phone. But a lot of people, when they saw the Moto G four, they were like, "Well, this is this is sort of a regression because I love the fact that I could dunk this one hundred and fifty dollar phone in water and not have to worry about it, or that it, um, or that the second generation version had had uh, stereo speakers." and the third generation didn't. So all of like all of a sudden you have these these phones that appear to be upgrades but are are side grades in many ways. Um and this is this is the the feeling I have with the Moto Z2 Force. It's not as big of an upgrade over the Z Force as it would appear at first glance. Clearly the battery is smaller and mm-hmm. that introduces a lot of um, you know, not just longevity issues, but as, as Andrew pointed out in a piece he wrote, um, you know, usability issues. You actually have to have a style shell on the back in order to use this phone properly. And I completely agree. Um, it's too thin for its own good. And on the other hand, you know, what by introducing a dual camera system, you should technically get better photos out of the box, whether you're using right. that second sensor or not and what i found is i didn't get better photos out of this sensor than i got from the 499 Moto Z2 play you yeah. know that's that's a big deal for me or the fact that the Z2 force omitted optical image stabilization in in you know in in order to have that second sensor and to me that's a that's an, another exasperating uh decision whereas low light performance has always been an issue with Motorola phones. It's always lagged behind. Every single generation from the Moto X all the way to today has lagged behind the competition. And this was an opportunity for Motorola to double down on something that has been a constant complaint throughout its product history. And it did not address that.
1: But how about a second camera, man? That's there you go. That's that's the funny thing. They like they know that that's the popular thing to do to like have the black and white and have the selective focus and all that kind of stuff. The problem is it, it, it came at the, ex, a huge expense that I don't think anybody that used the Z2 force could tell you that that was that black and white camera is worth the, the complete drop off or, you know, not even just not improving, but kind of a drop off in many ways in quality, especially, I mean, just taken in a vacuum compared to the previous Z phones, like, it, it's, it's not great. But then you put it alongside, we have three or four other fantastic cameras. It's, it's really not there.
0: But I, there's also, and Jerry, you can, you can speak to this a little bit. There's also the IQ, the fact that with the Snapdragon 835, the image signal processor is supposed to make intelligent choices. And if you're a parent or a dog owner like I am, uh, and you take lots of photos of a moving object, And you're outside, and you want to get a clear photo. You should not be capturing at uh, one over thirty or 30 uh, 30 milliseconds with an ISO of fifty. Like you should be, you should be ratcheting that up to one one hundredth of a second at least, and upping the image, the um, the 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 light sensitivity to like two or three hundred. You know,
2: yeah, it it it's it's ridiculous. It almost appears that the the image sense technology is something that you have to pay extra for and some companies aren't paying the extra because that phone the you know the the Z2 force should be able to process pictures as well or better than the Galaxy S8 and it does this it this doesn't. thing
1: hunts for 1/30th of a second right. all the time and it's not it's just not right like that's at the point where if you don't have ois and your hand moves at all you get a blurry photo right but but it's not even that like if you have a moving subject right at all
0: like it'll blur even if you have oas the the decision here is that we have enough light to d- to keep to to close that shutter really fast
2: and for some reason it just does not do that Compare that to the Pixel or the OnePlus 3T, which has last year's image processing technology and does an immensely better job. So I I really think there's a component there that maybe, you know, the parent company, Lenovo, said, well, we don't need this. We can develop our own camera or who knows what went on, but something did.
1: Right. I mean, I think my point is there there are very few times in which you can drop... Your f- your shutter speed to one thirtieth of a second or even slower on a handheld camera and expect it to be sharp. Even if you're taking a even if you're taking a stable shot of a stable, you know, non-moving scene, it is too slow.
2: It should never try to do that ever,
1: and it does. So you know, I mean, that's I- a problem I'm scrolling. scrolling back through some and I'm seeing some shots indoors that are one twentieth, one fifteenth. It's like You're never going to be able to take a, and they're still not uh, clear or bright, by the way. They're still kind of grainy and blotchy because the processing just still isn't right. But it's like you're really introducing, I talked about it in my second opinion of like, you don't have any confidence in this camera in low light situations. I take, I would never just take one photo.
2: I would take like four or five photos and hope that one of them turned out. Now, to be fair, to be absolutely fair to Motorola, you know, devil's advocate here, maybe it's a bug. The phone isn't widely available, you know, or, or it just became widely available. It's not in a lot of people's hands for a long enough time to find it. Maybe there's a, a bug at play, but something's wrong.
0: Agreed. So I, I would agree with you, except for the fact that, you know, Andrew and I both, he is a T-Mobile unit, I have a Verizon unit. We both got OTA updates over the weekend. It didn't change a thing. Um, well, at least for mine, it didn't, and it, and Motorola has a history of this. It's not just the Z2 Force. I, I, I admitted the, I was reaching. I, I yeah, I know. <laughs> no, I appreciate it. Look, I'm look, I am the biggest Moto fan. I'm I'm up to the point where I would probably be if it was if, if it's if it's just evaluating the experience. I could even be called a fanboy. I love Motorola experiences. I think that they've done a great job over the years, despite the you know, the the nitpicky issues. I just think that this is a company that has led, it's led itself up to this point. I felt like this was a turning point for Motorola. And it it's just, it did not live up to expectations. This is the first $720 Motorola phone in years that could have competed with the best of the best. And it, it kind of breaks my heart that it, it hasn't done that because- um, and, and like Andrew pointed this out the day we got this phone, there were gouges in it, in his, yeah. in his review unit screen mm-hmm. that were completely like that marred the experience completely. And I was like, oh, I, I don't have any yet. And then within <laughs> hours I got the same things just from lying the phone down on a, on a table or putting it in my pocket.
2: That That's, that's a trade-off from the shadow resistance, but they don't let you know that. Exactly. You know, it, it, could be part of you know the literature in the box that you know because your phone is you know more shatter resistant than any other phone it's also uh, you know prone to scratch more so here's what you can do to take care of it that should have been in the box you know yeah right. i mean you
1: can't tell me that having a shatterproof screen that has this massive compromise of just general deteriorating as you use it is <laughs> is a better consumer uh well, Offering than putting Gorilla Glass five on it and
2: saying I, we'll replace your your screen twice. I agree for with free. you. I, you know, I absolutely agree with you. But I, I get, I know, I don't speak for everybody. I can see why some people would want you know the guarantee that your screen won't shatter, even if that means a year from now it'll be so cloudy you can't see anything. Yeah, right. But for me, that would not That doesn't work. Uh you know. But one thing, I'm sitting here and I'm listening. Okay. How does Motorola fix it? Price. Knock the price down, but what do you guys think they can do to like Daniel said, they they had they had a chance. They had a chance to come back here. What could they do to come back? Well, I would say
1: that the the big things that they could do is basically just take the Z two play playbook, you know? Uh-huh. Put, get this battery back over three thousand milliamp hour just so people stop complaining. Because, honestly, the battery life is okay. It's not worth complaining as much as people are complaining right. about it. of course. But just bring it back over 3000, put a headphone jack back in. Yes, that would require the thickness, but you're already adding the thickness to put the battery back in. Right. And then we can start talk and, and add waterproofing. Now you're up to an even playing field on a lot of the basics. You know, that just uh, brought you
2: back up to I, the Galaxy S8. I meant what... what? Can they actually do to fix it? I, you know, that'll oh, fix it for the next time. Right, that fixes it for the next <laughs> time. But is is this one just beyond, you know, salvageable?
1: Unfortunately, the only thing that can move now is the price. Yeah, this is this
0: is it. It's the price, yep. or it's the doubling down on the Moto Mods ecosystem. And this is something that we haven't talked about. Right, um, that's where I was and- getting, and I just
2: wanted one of you guys to say it. <laughs>
0: You know i i got a lot of i got a lot of flack for suggesting that this was not just Motorola, um, you know trying to, uh, I guess like, cut corners on the phone itself in order to sell Moto Mods, and I I I just think that that is a that's a binary cynical issue like it's a binary cynical. Uh, way of looking at it. And yeah, what I mean by very binary is one. that it's not taking into it's not taking into account the nuance of of what mainstream consumers want. And this is a phone that Motorola doesn't want to sell a hundred thousand units. They worked incredibly hard to get this into all four US carriers. Right. Um and for a reason. So you have to think okay, if we for the first time in years have an opportunity to sell multi-millions of our flagship. How do we attract the most number of people? And that is it, that, that, and I, 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 I know I'm gonna get pushback for this, but it's <laughs> the iPhone playbook. Yes, it's thin absolutely. and light. Thin and light is what sells phones. I'm not saying to the to the core audience who needs a, a multi-day battery, but the average consumer wants thin and light. Mm-hmm. And that is the truth. There is so much data to back this up. And Motorola did what it could to make this phone as thin and light as possible. And that came at the expense of a bunch of other things. But the Moto Mods ecosystem is a compelling augmentation to that. The problem is, first of all, that they're too expensive. So, you know, other than the really kind of cheapy um, $40 wireless charging attachments or like a $25 style shell.
1: $40 to add wireless charging?
0: Yeah, yeah, it's okay. forty dollars. Um, like the the turbocharger is eighty dollars, so that's an eighty dollar add on to a seven hundred twenty dollar phone. That, granted, gives you 300, three hundred, three thousand, three hundred milliamp hours, but it's eighty dollars. The Moto three hundred sixty camera add on, which we talked about before, it's three hundred dollars. It's yeah. not cheap. So you know, these are this is a phone. I mean, you could basically buy a Moto. G5 Plus
2: for the same price as some of these yeah. Moto Mods. I can't help but think that, you know, the idea that the Moto Mods can make up for the shortcomings is how you fix it for enthusiasts. But that does nothing for the regular customer who doesn't want to carry around a pocket full of extra blades. Unless you're throwing them in for good
0: measure, which is kind of what right. they're doing.
2: But, but even then... Do you, you know, do you see your mom carrying her phone and a backplate for wireless charging and a backplate for extra battery and a backplate for a better camera that that, that's just no, I don't, I I don't see that happening. I see it as you buy
1: a, just like any other accessory. I see normal people buying them as I'm going to use this one for a while and it's a thing that I right. have for a while, and then in nine months or something, right. I'm bored of that, so I'm going to get another one instead of
2: getting a new phone. Except in this case, in nine months, you're getting your screen replaced because you can't see it. <laughs> so the the I and I agree with you really quick,
1: Daniel. On the thin and light sells phones. We know we absolutely know that. I think the problem is that. While they did thin and light, that's not really the problem here. The problem is they tried to do thin and light with an extremely uh, compromising, thick shatter shield display that... It, I mean, the phone is only six millimeters thick, and this shatter shield display is a large portion of that thickness. It right. it takes up a lot of Z depth, as we say in the biz, a Z depth inside of the the phone... I mean, you just look at it compared to the Z2 Play. It has a smaller battery and no headphone jack compared to a phone that has this
2: actually smaller dimensions in the right. Z2 Play. I, I look at it from an absolute uninformed consumer point of view. They want more money, you know, outside of Verizon than the Galaxy S8. And yes, I, the phone is thin. The phone is light. They nailed that part, and I absolutely agree that that's what sells phones today. They can, on paper, the camera is great. That, that's what you need to do to sell a phone. But then you have to do something to stand out from all the other phones that have done the same thing. And when you're priced just as much or more than arguably the best phone you can buy today, that, that's going to be a problem when it comes down to buying, you know, pe- people buying. Yeah. So
0: I I want to before we move on from this, because um, you know, this has been a, a good chunk of our of our discussion. Um, I, I want to talk about next year because Motorola is putting itself in a position where it has to cut off support for the existing Moto Mods ecosystem or, or platform at some point. It, it's dedicated. It, it's promised three years, um, which means that next year will also have support, next year's flagships. But in doing so, that means that next year's flagships or phones in general in the Moto Z uh, line will also look like this, which means presumably uh, large bezels top and bottom and thin screens or thin thin bodies. But mm-hmm. I was thinking maybe it doesn't have to do that. and And bear with me here because the reason that the that the phone looks so chunky is because of the bezels top and bottom and because the, there's a front fingerprint sensor because due to the Moto mod you can't put it on the on the back but what happens if Motorola either tries to figure out how to put a fingerprint sensor on the side of the phone where the where, where the power button is or it gets rid of the the fingerprint sensor altogether and as it seems like some others in the industry are going <laughs> Goes all in on 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 uh, um, eye based biometrics, and this is just a throw something at the wall and see what sticks. But Jerry, this is a form factor that um, you know Motorola would be really really dumb to just throw out the window in a couple of years, especially since this is the this is the claim to fame that if you have a an ecosystem of Moto Mods, you can share them amongst family members. You can you can sell them because they'll just work on every Moto Z device. Like yep. that's a that that is a, an advantage. So what do you think?
2: I don't Motorola don't abandon it. You said 3 years, you know, guaranteed. Stretch it out to 5. That's how strongly I think of that. If you were going to be bold enough to do this and you know, it appears that you're saying that these mods can make up for what enthusiasts see as shortcomings. I'm not accusing you of doing it, but it it looks that way. You're bold enough to stand there and do it and say, "Look, you can take the back off your phone and add extra stuff." Stick with it, stretch it out. I mean, three years is probably enough to know if the idea is good or bad, yeah. you know, from an economic standpoint. But you've done it. Uh, you know, keep your 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 fans, for lack of a better word, keep them happy and then if you're going to do it again figure out what you need to do to improve it and do it for another 5 years don't don't fall into the trap that LG did and change your mind
1: yeah i mean for the most part it's the the interesting thing about the Z2 force and all of these Z phones is that the you could talk a little bit about the questionable value proposition of adding these mods and things like that but the only real issues with the moto z phones they have not been the mods or di- direct uh directly related to the mods right like the problem with the moto z2 force is that they went too thin they removed battery the shatter shield display is kind of funky it doesn't have a headphone jack none of that has to directly do with the Moto Mods. Sure, it means that their phones have to be the same size and they have to be completely flat on the back, which adds issues, but there's nothing that would have precluded them from fixing the problems with the Z2 Force while keeping mod compatibility. And at the same time, the mods are truly differentiating. So they can change other things about the phone. Like They have room to improve while keeping the Moto Mods system alive. And I agree with you, Jerry. If you're going to release another Moto Z next year, and of course it's going to have Moto Mod support, you're looking at releasing it into a market where you have only guaranteed that mod compatibility will be there for one more right. year. And right. you, ha- so you have to push it. So three years at the start was a great idea. But two years later, now that's only a one-year guarantee. Right. And that could that could hurt them.
2: And one thing you hit on that I wanted to say earlier it really bugs me it, and I've heard it from everybody. You can't use the phone without a style shell. Why does it not ship with a style shell? Is there well, year reason? did? yeah. I, I, so is there money. any reason we can think of why they didn't do it this year other than money? No. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I, no, I, I, the I'm, interesting I'm reaching thing for here, me I,
1: was like there, there is no reason. And I, the crazy thing is they don't even have to put a style shell in the box. Just give me a little piece of paper that's a right. coupon in the box for $25 off a mod of your choice. So, yes, you're going to not make any money off the people that just use that $25 to buy a $20 style shell. But you're going to make money off of the people that say, oh, what? It, hey, $25 off the Turbo Power Pack. Now the Turbo Power Pack is only
2: $50 or 55 dollars money in th- the bank a step further you're going to spend five dollars you know of of actual cost to build a, a, a back or whatever and make people happy mm-hmm. that's 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 important that sometimes i think you know not not that motorola doesn't want their customers to be happy but i think sometimes that the basics get lost by some of these companies
1: well and i think that the The funniest thing is that Motorola, their executives stood up on stage when they unveiled this phone and said, their consumer surveys show that the number one purchasing decision driver of buying a Moto Z device was Moto Mods. And uh, first of all, I was blown away by that because I just don't understand how a majority even of people would say, like know what moto mods are but apparently people that are interested they do do their research they're looking at phones moto mods are a differentiator motorola knows that they're a huge differentiator just like they know that a shatter shield display in the flagship segment is a differentiator the problem was the execution there but it's the same kind of thing they know that it's something that can drive sales just like thinness and lightness they they gotta stick with it. They I just don't see any way that they would just run away from it.
2: I hope they don't.
0: So on on the on the complete opposite side of the spectrum, um, this week I've been using the Moto E four Plus, which starts at one hundred and seventy nine dollars, and you can get it for one fifty nine on Amazon uh, as a Prime exclusive. That battery. And this this is a phone no that has a five thousand milliamp hour battery. Um, that runs pretty much like every other Motorola phone, which is pretty damn well, and is it looks exactly like the Moto G5 series. Yeah.
2: Crazy, so, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs>
0: it's so interesting. There's $600, more, uh, $550 between this phone and the Moto Z2 Force, and yet, you know, for anybody asking me which entry-level phone you should buy, it's not a matter of, oh, I think you should buy a Moto phone or a ZTE or a you know or a, uh, an honor for me it's like
2: which motorola budget right. phone should you buy and, and that is the most amazing thing right it's been that way for a while for a lot of people myself included but this year man that's i mean i'm tempted i don't need you, you none of us need more phones but at that price i'm tempted yeah
0: it's it's very interesting i mean there's there's a, a lot of valid criticism being leveled against Motorola about how many phones it's announced this year, 10 to my, to my knowledge.
1: The fact that Um, somebody would have to ask you which one though is the crazy part. There's just so many models. (laughs) And there's also the, the new Moto G5S
0: and G5S plus, which sounds like just an Apple, uh, you know, like an, an, an Apple keynote that just went wrong, but I don't know. It's just, it, It's interesting to me that none of these phones are bad. Even the Moto E4, 70 bucks
1: at Verizon prepaid, is a pretty damn good phone. Anyway, here's yeah, but my final thing on that is you think about how many phones they released, they also still sell the Moto G4 series. Yes, correct.
2: (sighs) And not to mention
0: the fact that the Moto G5 is not sold in the US. uh, So people don't really understand, like, there's just so many weird decisions. And that some of the phones have NFC, some of them don't. Um, it's That's the exasperating part of the budget right. series. But ultimately in the U.S., if you want a good budget phone, just pick a Motorola phone. You can't go wrong. Okay, so that's Motorola. Let's move on. Um, Jerry, did you want to talk a little bit about Bluetooth 5? Uh, you had an amazing interview with a, with an HTC engineer. Um, yes. Kind of dispelling a few of the, the, the rumors that uh, around Bluetooth 5, and why it didn't ship with devices like the Moto Z2 Force and the HTC right. U11, but it did ship with the Galaxy S8. Um, what is what have
2: you learned uh, from this? It's, well, I mean the the first thing to take away is that the Z2 Force and the U11, well, they, they do have it. You you can't take that away from them because it's built into the processor. And it's just there and it just works, but it wasn't certified. Only Samsung had the foresight to, well, let's get this certified. So when we launch the phone, we can say it has Bluetooth five support, you know, official full Bluetooth five support, HTC Motorola. They didn't do that. The reason they didn't do that is because even though it's there, it doesn't work because Android can't use it yet. It falls back to support along the lines of Bluetooth 4.2, even if you had a Bluetooth 5 device to try to use it with, which does not exist yet. So the ecosystem itself is not there, and Android isn't there, but the phone hardware, it's there. The, The Galaxy S8, the upcoming Note 8, surely... The U11, uh, the Z2 Force, those phones support Bluetooth 5 without doing a thing.
0: Like the TLDR version, um, once these phones are upgraded to O and get the full feature set that comes with Bluetooth 5, are people going to notice or even care? Uh,
2: No, because there's nothing to use it with that really matters. They... I expect very shortly we'll see things like beacons or, you know, hobbyist devices that that use Bluetooth five. The hobbyist devices probably already exist, but things that you use every day—headphones, smartwatches, uh, car stereos, speakers—none of those are Bluetooth five. They won't be for a while because there's no benefit for those devices yet. There is some Bluetooth 5-based audio stuff in the works, and that's supposed to happen by the end of 2017. So if that happens on schedule, next year we may see some Bluetooth 5, you know, portable speaker or something that, that matters. The second part of that is the Bluetooth 5 specs, any device doesn't have to meet all of them to be certified that's because Bluetooth works across a a really wide range of devices and you don't want to make something like a portable beacon that runs off of a battery have to support everything because that would chew the battery up. So the Bluetooth special interest group, you're allowed to pick and choose what you support as long as you support it fully to be Bluetooth five compliant. So we could have and this is all hypothetical maybe a set of headphones next year that use the the new bluetooth 5 profiles that are in development they're they're you know stronger bigger and your sound will be better but they may not support faster bit rates so your files can't be you know lossless lossless files may not be supported there's still some questions on, on what can happen and what will happen. And that takes away a little of the excitement.
0: Yeah. I mean, all I want is for a pair of wireless headphones to be reliable over Bluetooth. Basically, that is my only prerequisite. I want them to disconnect uh, more uh, less often. I want them to sound better and more, uh, and, and fuller. And I just don't want to have to pair and have to repair and all these I hear annoying Bluetooth isms
2: yeah, all hear the time. You. I, I think that maybe by this time next year, uh, we we might almost be there. And not not with everything. Your your car stereo is always going to suck over Bluetooth because it's running Bluetooth software that's five years old. Period. Right. When you buy a car that has Bluetooth five in the you know, the head unit, it's going to be five years from now. So that's that's a problem that there is no solution to. But I think this time next year, because the entire ecosystem is moving towards wireless, thank you, Apple, uh, things are going to get better. That's just my prediction.
0: Okay, so moving right along, this week, uh, we or last week, we heard that Android... N, Nougat, is currently on 13.5% of Android devices, just as we're expecting Android O to become official. Andrew, Android O was kind of expected last week. We haven't heard anything about it. We're hearing rumors from both David Ruddock of Android Police and Evan Blass of VentureBeat that it's going to be Mm -hmm. announced along with the name, Hallelujah, on August 21st, which is a week from today, I believe. what are you thinking is is 13.5% a, a lot a little compared to previous <sighs> versions
1: that's that's really tough i would i would actually have to look at the other numbers but getting to 15% within a year sounds like it's about right no yeah, you know, people are so. furiously looking at the graphs i compiled the graphs for a while but but i haven't looked at them lately uh the interesting thing is we're looking at the O release next week, like you said, potentially, and we're not going to see a new Pixel probably until a, at least a month after that, and then it won't be on sale for some weeks after that. So the only thing that's going to have O on it are you know the, the relatively small number of uh, Pixels and Nexuses updating V thirty right.
2: baby. Got
1: my fingers well, crossed.
2: They did it last year. They did do it last year. And but that that's, was like that's just. Me that was to funny.
0: the that that was like down to the wire right. i
1: think it was the it, day before the pixel came out yeah and then it ended up shipping after some yeah. pixels so
2: you know there was I, that <laughs> back back to it's on 13.5% of all devices who can tell me what difference that makes what do you mean what what why is that important uh the features are backported to android 4.4 you know, not not directly. Not not. You you can't say that. You know, once Android O drops, a phone with Android 4.4 isn't going to be able to show the ugly, horrible colored notifications. But it it can support them. It won't be able to display them. But a developer doesn't have to do anything different. An app runs exactly the same. The security features are all backpointed and backported to Android 4.4. Uh, that's 97, 98% of all devices, 4.4 and quite, higher? Not It's 91%, 91? everything okay. above 4.4. Um, so that that's a metric that gets forgotten a lot. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, we want or don't want fancy colored notifications in the status bar. But to a developer or most users, it still just works, and it's just as safe, and it's just as secure.
1: So I think the big piece of perspective is when you look at these numbers is that two. So in, in about a week or two, when we have 8.0 out the two point releases, old marshmallow um, it is already the largest portion of this OS pie. So marshmallow right. is at 32%, which is now larger than lollipop and uh, twice the size of Kit Um, but also just over twice the size of nougat. So that's, you know, that's not that bad. I mean, that's the thing you look at, of course, everybody's going to say, well, nougat is one year old, but it's not. I mean, the big thing is it's not like starting in a week and a half. All of a sudden, 15% of phones are going to have, oh, it's like, for all intents and purposes, Nougat is still going to be the latest operating system because there's such a slow rollout in the, in the first
2: place. Well, it's, we, we, we look at the way one company does something and we assume that all companies work the same, same way. Apple is not Microsoft is not Google. And that goes the whole way around in a circle. These three companies all have different ways of platform distribution. Uh, Google's important metric is, as you said, that marshmallow number. They can never let things get so far out of sync where the largest number of devices is not supported by combat you know compatibility methods and Google Play services right now, those go back to Android four point four as long as they go back to meet. of the devices, they feel they're on a level playing field with Apple who pushes out OS updates as far back as they can, you know, without worrying a lot about the, you know, the, the way that it feels to the user who's using it, or Microsoft who forces the updates on you while you're asleep. They all have different ways of doing whatever they can do to make sure you can use the programs that are available for their platform.
0: Okay, so I, I have a question. Um, and, and this this is mainly about apps and app developers. So Google um, made its Contacts app available to all Android phones today running Lollipop and above. So that mm-hmm. is only 75% right. of the current Android user base, 75% of some insane number, like 1.2 billion units. So- um, you know, we don't know exactly what the current um, the the current user base is of Android phones that connect to the the Play Store, which is how Google creates right. this distribution chart. But we do know that it's a sizable number. So seventy five percent of say a billion is 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 a lot. Uh, Seven hundred fifty million. It's probably more than that. But let's also look at the way that developers approach things. And we had Chris Lacey on the show a few weeks ago, and we talked to him about how he's forced to support versions of Android like Jellybean that he doesn't necessarily want to because he would like to remove support for APIs so that he can add features and make the code a little bit less fractioned or, or um, siloed. And you know, with Google itself releasing apps that, only support 75% of the user base. You know, is this the company's tacit way of just saying or not tacit, but pretty explicit way of saying, "Hey, you should upgrade your phone." Like, yeah. these are core oh, yeah. services that you can't use unless you buy a new
2: Android phone. Absolutely. I, you know, that that what they did with contacts today pretty much tells me that that's their new target. That's their new baseline. You know, it was it was up until You know, recently it had been Android 4.4 like we were discussing. Now their new baseline is, you know, whatever, I don't know the exact point number it works with, but it's Lollipop. They've looked at the, you know, the the charts that we're talking about and they, well, we can support 75% of the users or we can have to include this old stuff to appease an extra 3%. And not that they're saying, well, screw those guys. They're just saying, well, that's just not how we want to do business. And boom, this is their new baseline. That could also be a cue to other developers. You know, this is what you should support. Google can't come right out and tell you not to support a phone, you know, that that hasn't had an update. They, they don't want to do that, but they can give you an example and to follow. And that's I really think that's what they're doing here.
0: Okay, so none of us have phones running lollipop. I mean, we probably do in a drawer somewhere, but the, the joys of this bit of this, you know, very, um, we're, we're very lucky, uh, right. in that we probably don't have to use phones that run lollipop or, or earlier, but it's, it, I think it's an interesting thought experiment to, to go back to, you know, lollipop is on 20, 29% of devices. Um, and, and and that's a that's a fair amount, Jerry. Running Lollipop today and apps on Lollipop today, is that going to be a better experience than Lollipop a few years ago?
2: No, no, no. It's the we've outpaced the hardware. I mean the the hardware in a phone that you bought, you know, when Lollipop was new, is not going to be well suited to run. The things developers can do now, uh, and that's that's another way that developers are kind of shoehorned. They they may want to do really cool stuff, and know that a phone sold just a year and a half ago really is going to struggle, so they don't do it. But it's the the lollipop experience is, you know, it's it's better from a security and safety standpoint because every time something gets. Upgraded in in place services or an app finds a better, safer way to do something, that's always good. But the experience itself is—it's they're trying to shoehorn it backwards, and that is not great. Okay, so um, you
0: know we often get this question, and and Andrew, I think you know you use almost every phone that comes out. Um, would you rather be using a Galaxy S seven? Or even a Galaxy S6 that is running Nougat or a newer version of Android mm-hmm. over a budget phone that was announced this year, like a Moto Z, a Moto G5 running Nougat. Like at what at one point do we say, um, mm. you know, f- hardware is good enough that you can probably use last year's or even two years ago uh, version um, of hardware as long as it's running the newest software, even not if even if it's only running. You know, marshmallow, but it's still right. a better hardware experience than a newer piece of hardware. This is a
1: this is a good question, one that people ask a lot, and one that Alex actually interestingly dives into now and then. That says, you know, for X, you know, for four hundred dollars, you can buy, you know, these once great flagships, and I would say that if it's something like you can get a phone, a, a previously top end phone that was released. You know, within the last two models, it's probably a better value at the price, you know, for the hardware and the camera and things like that, than you can get for the same money in a new budget phone. Except some of these fringe cases, like I know Jerry will talk about, that older device is probably done with software updates and security updates, if not very, very near in the future. But, you know, at the same time, a lot of these budget phones are not necessarily on the bleeding edge either. But you do miss some of the things um, like, you know, newer radios or a more efficient processor. I mean, even if it's a lower end processor in a new device, it may, you know, work out to be, you know, basically the same. You have a lot of things like USB-C ports or fingerprint sensors that are a lot better you know those kind of things you know that's never going to come to your old device but you do have a situation where hey you could buy a galaxy s6 today for probably less than three hundred dollars and a lot of people are going to say hey i could have a a galaxy a a galaxy s device for the same price as a moto g5 don't
2: i love that jerry's just like nope 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 a lot of people will do that and that's that that that's a very valid theory and you're absolutely right. And I will throw, you know, security and update patches out out the window here for a minute. Except there are a few cases where there are major bumps in the road that can't be overlooked. Uh last year, 2016 was one of them. The cheapest processor from Qualcomm in 2016 is going to age much much better than the best processor in 2015 will. That's because of just some changes to the architecture and changes, you know, that that were years in the making. Those kind of bumps can matter, and you know, you you kind of have to actually be a nerd or know a nerd to understand or or know about some of them. So that that it can be a little risky. Uh, the Galaxy S6 was a fine phone when it came out. Do not buy one today. Spend eighty dollars more. Buy Galaxy S seven, and everything we just said stands true.
1: The S six maybe. The, not.
2: That is a good point. That it's uh, the safe bet
1: is to buy a new, more budget minded phone. There's there's far less guesswork in right. that because you can't simply paint with a broad brush and say any phone that was released, you know, after. March twenty fifteen is a better, you know, right. that range of phones is a better buy than a new right. um, than a new budget phone. I, I don't think that's the case. You know, don't go buy a G five or a G four. Like that's no, probably not absolutely. like those phones were not fantastic at the time, but there are some of these good middle grounds, like uh I was just using my note uh, five this week. And I was saying, I was telling Jerry, it's on the August security patch. Yeah, uh, it's a, it's a it's a international unlocked model, but it's it it has Android 7.0, maybe 7.1 on it. It has the latest Samsung experience. It has August first security update. It has a great camera, a great screen, great build quality, and you could probably find one for less than four hundred bucks. Sure, it's like that is definitely a nicer phone. Than whatever big screen budget phone you can buy for three hundred some dollars,
2: and there will be the the absolute other end of the the spectrum will happen two years from now. The Galaxy S eight is going to, or or the the you know any eight Snapdragon eight thirty five phone is going to age incredibly incredibly well, and if sure. the manufacturers would keep the software up to date, you know, and I don't mean update to newer versions of Android. I mean update everything needed to keep it secure and compatible with apps written for newer versions. That phone could be great five years from now. But what are the chances <laughs> well, that it's gonna of course happen? Not? I'm, I'm just saying that on the on the hardware front, there are weird spots that make that kind of tricky. The the buy an old phone and it's a great experience. The most most of the time it's true, but There are just some weird glitches that make it even more true or kind of worrisome. But this is something also that Daniel and
1: I just investigated in the last uh, couple weeks is looking at refurbished phones or used phones and kind of the best practices for buying them. Yeah. Or, you know, where to look, where to research, how do you know if you're getting a good deal? And it's like, well, you can go to Sprint and they'll sell you a refurbished Galaxy S6 and it's still like $375 or something like that. And you're like, what What are you talking about? Yeah. And, but at the same time, you can go to Best Buy and get an open box unlocked Galaxy S8 for like less than $600. Yes. And it's like, that's a really good deal. So people are trying to navigate this and trying to figure out where they can save some money and still get uh, a good phone. And I think that refurbished and open box phones can be a really good way to save money and get a still late model phone. So you don't have to go really deep, you know, two, three model years old.
2: I I think if you were looking for the very best value phone you could buy right now, that would be a refurbished OnePlus 3T. That phone will last Hmm. you two years easily. It may be difficult to find, but if you find one, you're not going to be spending more than $400 on a phone that will do everything you want to do for two years.
0: That's uh, I, I, you're gonna get some pushback from that I one. I I, I I think it's a good phone, but is it worth spending four hundred dollars on a three T when you can spend four fifty or four seventy? Yeah, I think that's five? the only problem. You know, it's man. Like, I mean,
2: I I see your point. You know, when that's something I didn't consider. But, but Android uh, O is going to be the last version
0: to come to the three three T right. that's official.
1: So
2: but that, absolutely. that's something you take when
1: you look for a, a discount device, I think. Okay a lot so of times.
2: Let, let me know. knock a hundred bucks off that price then. If you find a three T for three hundred bucks, buy it. Four hundred and eighty bucks for a uh one plus five is much better than four hundred dollars for a three T. That's fair.
0: So, okay, so let, let's let's talk a little bit about
2: um, you know
0: prices of of other devices in general. Um, you know, so we have we have our, our friends at Thrifter. Now, Andrew, you just bought a new mouse, so I, I'd like to get your take on this. Oh, yeah. But um, you know, Thrifter is is telling me that there's a really good deal on a mouse that I've been looking at for quite a few years. I haven't upgraded my mouse like five years because I'm lazy, but this Logitech MX Anywhere 2S wireless mouse is- In my is hand on, currently. In your hand. Oh, amazing. Okay, so you can tell me whether you think $70, $70 $69, 80 is, uh, is the price right now for this mouse is worth it. Uh, it looks pretty awesome. And I don't know if, uh, if you're a gamer or not, but there's always been the stigma against using a wireless mouse for gaming um so right now if you want you can get a decent probably not the best for gaming but decent wireless mouse for just under 70 bucks um what do you think is that is that a price that you would spend on this
1: uh, it's a price that i yeah absolutely logitech <laughs> <laughs> i mean there's a, there's a reason on. why there's a reason why i just got two logitech mice I spend spend, spend the big money on on the Logitech mice because like you, I only buy one like every five or six years (laughs) because they just nothing happens to them and they just hold on. And then, you know, you're like, well, what am I going to spend 70 bucks on a stupid Apple mouse? No, I'm going to I'm going to buy a Logitech one. True story. So if you're looking for a mouse, if you're interested in a
0: new wireless mouse, head to thrifter.com. Get the email newsletter in your inbox every morning. And you can pick up a Logitech Anywhere mouse for about 70 bucks. It's a great deal. Um, Let's move on. Let's talk a little bit about the V30. This is a phone that is imminent. We know that it's going to be announced on on August 31st in Berlin. We've been learning piecemeal because LG loves to do this. It's an LG phone. (laughs) Uh, They're releasing new details on this almost every day. We have... Basically now a you know valid leaks on what it looks like, but also what its camera will have the f one point six lens, what its software will look like. Um, Andrew, take us through the the, the latest uh,
1: leaks and updates of the V thirty. So I'm not sure how much you guys I I can't remember the timeline because you guys talked about it on the last podcast, but also LG just does this thing where they just release stuff, just randomly, officially confirming things. And the way that they release these things, they they say the V30 will have the best low light camera that LG has ever made. And then it's like three, <clears throat> excuse me, three paragraphs of crap. And then at the end, they'll be like, oh, and the way we're doing it is, you know, yada, yada, yada. So this this gets me excited, and I know that Jerry gets excited about this kind of stuff. They're going to F one point six on the main lens, which is really insane because we've kind of topped out for a little while at F one eight, F one seven, but they're also talking about this is something we don't hear a lot about, the actual lens covering quality of the the phone. So or in a phone. We kind of just say, oh, we look at the aperture, we talk about sensor size and all that kind of stuff. They're saying they're using this, you know, of course, they have a brand for it, the LG Crystal Clear Lens, all capitalized. WTF. <laughs> and it, exactly. And so they're saying, you know, of course, a clear lens, like we've learned this from all kinds of, you know, interchangeable lens cameras, nicer glass makes a huge difference. Uh, you buy a DSLR with a kit lens on it and it's like kind of, you know, whatever, you slap like a $500 to $1,000 lens on there and it completely changes the characteristics of that camera. And so that's what LG is talking about here. They're not talking about the sensor yet. Um, they're really talking about the glass and the fact that it's an f1.6 uh, aperture. And I'm, I'm sure, Jerry, you can probably say something about how we're kind of pushing some limits of oh, physics God, yes. when you
2: go with an f1.6 lens, right? I, I, you know I think that's a bad idea. Now, now, I hope I'm proven wrong. Uh, I, I understand why we we have to go there, and it's like you said, it's because physics. We don't have the room to properly play with exposure theory to make a camera on a phone better. But what we can do is open the aperture, and and hopefully the the software can make up for it. Uh, but the the most important thing, and everybody that shoots pictures can can attest to this the most important thing is the glass on the front. If it has any speckles or disfiguration or imperfection, that is multiplied hugely once light passes through it and it goes back to the sensor. And it's great that somebody finally, you know, says, hey, we know that, so we made it extra clear. Uh, You know, I kind of have a feeling that all these companies knew it all along and worked really hard to make the glass or or acrylic or whatever they used yeah, as clear and not thin, glass. Yeah, as clear as thin as possible. But LG is, you know, coming forward and saying, hey, we are doing it. And that comes with the risk of, hey, you said you were doing it. Why is it this bad? So I expect it to be really good. They have to stand behind it. And so the thing about this is this is not the glass
1: like on the outside right, that right. Covers, covers everything that like what broke on the V20 all the time. We're talking about the stuff that's actually inside. There's multiple yes. lens elements depending on the camera. somewhere between like three and seven lens elements. It, we're talking about
2: those. You look at them and it looks like a rainbow on, on a piece of glass inside the pinhole. That's what LG is talking about here. Right. And and just as interesting to me,
1: so this confirmed that they're going to stick with a wide angle uh, secondary camera, whereas most of the industry looks like it's going toward uh, the second one being the same in black and white or uh, color and telephoto, you know, whatever, 2X, 3X, something like that. So LG is going to stick with the wide angle. And one thing that really, again, nestled in like the very last sentence of this was, you know, we improved the edge distortion on the wide angle camera, so it's still going to probably be like 130 something degrees, but they said they removed a third of the edge distortion on the wide angle camera which is awesome because you kind of just took that as well, you kind of get that fisheye effect in the corners because it's so wide, but there, again, this is something that mostly is going to happen in software you just flatten out those corners so you get the wide angle, but you don't have to deal with the issues of the fact that you're trying to do a wide-angle uh, lens with you know a tiny, tiny sensor and, and lens array. So LG looks like it's doing the right stuff. Um, we don't know, you know, what they're going to do. You know, are they going to add OIS to the second camera? They're not really talking about the second camera a lot, but it's it's really exciting because we saw the G6 do some amazing things, even with less than ideal, um, like an older set of sensors and things like that. Still took really, really great photos. So the V30 looks like it can have that, and it looks like it's going to back it up with the hardware too because we have these hardware leaks that like Jerry initially jumped on and wrote these things up, but it, it basically just looks like a bigger G6 yeah. and not even that much bigger. So it's a six-inch display. Which is good. It's an OLED Right, it's an OLED display. They're doing a little bit of the curve. Sorry, Jerry. They're curving well, the sides of the screen, uh, like we, you know, like the the Note 8 and the GS8 Plus. You know, all that Samsung's doing. But the big thing is, it's not going to be a gigantic phone. We have these renders of it sitting next to a G6, and it's like you're going from five point seven to six inches, and they made the bezels even smaller. So it's just pretty much just going to be like a. G six round two to take on the note eight. Well,
2: that's but that's 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 a very good thing. Because if, oh, if any it. if any company knows how a bad design or a design that we perceived as bad absolutely kills an entire product line, it is LG with the V ten and the G five. Nobody bought those because they looked and felt like crap.
0: Right. But I mean the V20 had a distinctive look that I enjoyed I think it was mm-hmm. it was is still a little bit out there but it I, I, I thought it looked great um it didn't do badly but it, it certainly didn't you know storm any barns or anything like that and right um you know this is just a bigger v uh, G6 it, it looks like doesn't have that second screen you know rest in peace I'm not a big fan of that second screen. But there's nothing between the G six and the V thirty on the surface. Um Size? And I just wonder you know, I just wonder whether just whether going this sort of I mean what the Note 8 looks like compared to the G S eight plus, like, can can LG pull a Samsung and, and get away with it?
2: I I think that they're pulling a Samsung as in the S eight to the S eight plus, not not the S eight to the Note 8. I think that's where oh, they're focusing. And that gives them room to bring that 6.5-inch tablet device with a active stylus, which they have tried before. So
1: the thing for me is, how are they going to price this? Yeah, if they that's, price yeah. it... The the interesting thing is, the G6 is cemented right now at like 499 There's a little bit below, a little bit above, but really... It's like in that 499 spot. And it's one if hell of a the, phone
2: at that price, and they exactly. can't move away if, from that.
1: If the V30 comes out, and they do like 649 699 for what is a higher-end device in the lineup, it doesn't have to compete with the Note. What, right. The Note is probably going to be between 900 and and $1,000 equivalent. In Canada, it'll be like $3,000. Who knows? <laughs> and... This phone is not going to be that price. That's, that's what I was getting at. They, they, they can't.
2: LG is not in the position to sell a $900 phone. But they can sell a $700 phone if they can show how much better it is than their $500 phone. And I really think that's where they're going right here. They, they want the high end that's between the G6 and the Note. And that's for the I think aiming.
1: that it's it's really it's kind of like poor one out for all the crazy old LG Maybe. phone designs. There have been a lot of them. This is going to be I mean even the V20 which was a little wonky was very much tamed down oh, yeah. compared to the G5 and V10. Absolutely. And so it's like now we've got three phones in a row that are very much like normal phones from LG because the, the crazy phones did not do well you know, at the time, the original Optimus G, the G2, even the G3, like they did well because they did all these kind of crazy things. People don't want those crazy things as much, especially when they come at, you know, in the G5's case at the, uh, you know, I don't know, <laughs> with a lot of downsides, we'll say. Yeah. So I'm okay with the fact that this is a, a normal phone. I know some people were like, oh, well, it's not rugged and it's not made out of stainless steel anymore. And yeah, it, it's like well, nobody, nobody actually cared. Sorry, right? And so this has a
2: shot. And if if you feel that way, I, I get you because I really think my favorite phone of all time is now in Andrew's desk, and it was that V10. I love that black <laughs> rubber and stainless steel V10. I just freaking loved it. But I do, I only bought one of them. I did not buy you know two and a half million units. So LG I'm, can't. I'm not <laughs> sure if I them. have that.
1: But if I do still have that phone, it it is on its way back to you. Awesome, I because I don't, I don't need another paperweight. I love it, and it's probably running lollipop, so you can get that you know great
0: <laughs> lollipop experience. Yeah, but it was um,
1: easy to unlock. Well, yeah, I found it. I've I've got it here, and it's um it's hefty. It and is. I could, yeah. You know. Look,
0: as long as the V thirty, which it will, because we've seen leaks, uh, emphasizes audio visual stuff. It has that really great high end DAC. It you know, has everything that the V-Series is known for plus looking a bit more mainstream. You know, I'm all for it. I think, I think it, it's going to do really well. My only concern, and, and this is something that is not, you know, t- this is not LG's fault necessarily, but I have two G6s and they're both still on the March 1st security update, which means that Same. Samsung is working with carriers to make sure that the GS8 is getting regular security updates for most carriers, not all. Uh that doesn't seem to be the case with l g so Are you uh, we're also Jim still Liger? waiting for that l g update to bring uh facial recognition to the g six, which yeah. is probably going to align with the v thirty announcement or release, but you know l g can't get away with releasing quarterly security updates it just it doesn't have, doesn't it can't it just can't afford it so um you know we really need the company to step up and when it comes well, to that
1: quarterly would be an upgrade at this rate,
2: yeah, exactly that That really matters. it matters a lot to us, but it's starting to matter to consumers who may not understand the repercussions, but they know, hey, Samsung fixed something on my phone and updated my software oh lG didn't fix mine right yeah you
0: you hear about this stuff yep. it, it, you know you even if it's not direct, you kind of get it through osmosis. oh Samsung does a better job at this, oh and I yep. should I was you know my 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 friend has Samsung I was gonna buy that I was gonna buy one anyway
2: so Exactly. And that's the kind
0: of thing. Word I, of mouth I, is important.
2: I, I can see them doubling down, like you said, on the media creation and the audio visual and from you know what it looks like they, they have room to, they, they are going to point out, you know, phones that don't have headphone jacks and don't have high end audio components and how their camera we've already heard is so improved and it will be the best low light ever expect to hear a lot about about that kind of stuff but underneath you're also going to have a a pretty well running phone because it's based on the G6 right with a Snapdragon
0: 835 right so right yolo yeah. Uh, and speaking of YOLO, we're going to wrap that up. We're going to wrap this up for the week. Um, you know, we may come at you later in the week. We we haven't see, the the issue with this time of year is that everybody is so hard to nail down for an hour just to podcast. So we're going to do our best. We're going to wrangle some things up. We may have to do a couple podcasts from a hotel room or, you know, even in the middle of the Atlantic. If we're on a plane, we can annoy our neighbors. No, we won't do that. But uh, we'll, we'll try our best. But if, uh, if this is it for the week, Andrew, where can people find you if they want to learn more?
1: Find me on the Twitters at Andrew Martnick and you'll see all of my random stuff there, but also things about Android. And uh, see all
0: your travels because you're, you're, you're going places, baby. You're going places. Oh, I've <laughs> lots of places. Uh, Jerry, what about you? Where can people find out more?
2: Uh, look for me on Twitter. It's at G-B-H-I-L. Yeah, Jerry. And I would try to be good. Good. <laughs> I
0: don't know what that means,
2: but... That's uh, th- uh, That means <laughs> this, week, this weekend I just shut it down. My, my heart yeah. was broken. I couldn't face it. And I knew if I started banging on the keys, I was going to say something that I had regretted. So... Sometimes I'm quiet. Well, I,
0: I wasn't quiet. I wrote something. If uh, if y'all haven't read it, if y'all haven't screamed at me on the comments, you can do that. Still time. Um, my name is Daniel Bader. You can find me at JourneyDan on Twitter if you have a comment. If you have any feedback on this podcast, please let us know as well. We love hearing from you. And we don't ask for this very much, but... If you can leave a review on iTunes, most people still listen to the Android Central podcast on iTunes. It wouldn't, uh, wouldn't shock yes. you to learn that because iTunes is the de facto platform. But if you can leave a review for us, we haven't received a lot of them over the last couple of years and it really would help us out. Um, so please do that. Uh, take a few minutes. We'd really, really appreciate it. That's it for this week. Uh, we will see you next week or maybe later this week. We haven't uh, quite figured that out. Thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you in the next one.